Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of About Abroad, where it's my job to introduce you to people who have built amazing lives for themselves in various foreign corners of the globe. We're talking with expats and thought leaders about moving abroad, remote work, visas, and all the fun and practical knowledge that you need to know to follow in their footsteps. If you've ever dreamed of making a life for yourself overseas, maybe working remotely or embracing long-term travel, retiring or studying abroad, or even just taking a peek inside life beyond your borders, you've landed in the right place. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Make My Move. Many of you are already aware that there are places around the world that want to attract remote workers to come and live there. But did you know that some of them will actually pay you to do so? Yeah, that's right. And aside from the cash incentives these towns might offer you, there are other incredible benefits ranging from free babysitting to concert tickets and even free healthcare. These places also make a terrific home base for digital nomads with super fast internet, friendly neighbors, and affordability in close proximity to major airports. In fact, the remote workers who relocate typically say around $20,000 per year by moving to these new communities. But perhaps most importantly, the locals in those communities are truly excited to welcome new movers in and get them plugged into the local network. The problem is, where do you start? But luckily, Make My Move is your one-stop shop for all things related to these towns. Since 2021, they've helped more than 1,000 remote workers and their families relocate, and through their platform, you can explore all the places that are offering incentives to come and live there, get personalized help to find the place that's right for you, connect with the locals, super important, and access support services to actually make the move a reality. Take advantage of all the benefits that come with your location independence by checking out makemymove.com via the link in the show notes. My guest today is my friend Ilana, who you might remember. She was a previous guest here on About Abroad, and she stopped by the first time around to share with us some information on Colombia and how it was building a digital nomad visa. Well, that digital nomad visa is now available, and so she comes by again today to dive into some of the details. She was a key factor in making this whole thing happen, so she has lots of behind-the-scenes information to share, and most importantly for you all, the info that you need if you want to go about getting this visa, in particular with an expedited process that they're offering over there at ePioneers. So, I hope this episode is helpful for you in that way. It is also going to be inspirational if you're into things like environmental impact and the blockchain and some of the things that they're doing in that regard, which are even more impressive than what they did with the digital nomad visa. So that fusion of helping the planet become a better place with getting people digital nomad visas in one of the most vibrant and well-known countries to travel to in the world was something that I was really interested in getting into, and Ilana definitely delivered in that regard. So I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Please help me in welcoming Ilana to About Abroad. Ilana is back in the About Abroad house. Uh, you're, you're amongst rare company. We don't get a lot of return guests, so thanks for, for coming back. Bienvenidos. How, how are you? Thank you, Chase, for the invitation, and it's a pleasure to be back. And I'm yeah. well. I'm here in uh, Portugal, near Lisbon, a few hours away from Lisbon. Oh, nice! Uh, far, a little far from from home, and where we'll be spending a lot of time today talking about Colombia. But uh, what's uh, what's going on in in Portugal? Yeah, so I have an event on the eighth uh, about women travelers in Lisbon. So I'm staying at a friend's co-living in Fundao, which is like a small town close to Lisbon. Um, and then I'm heading to uh, London. So yeah, still lots of travels to do. 
<laughs> you don't stay put very much. I, I believe yeah. last time we uh, we chatted. So and and for those listening and just tuning in here, uh, Elena has been on the show before, and we'll provide the link to the uh, to the first time she was here in the show notes, so you can go back and get to know her uh, more personally if you're if you're interested. Uh, but yeah, if I recall correctly, I mean you're you're on the go quite a bit, and uh, it makes sense with the with the work that you do. Uh, but uh, is this is this kind of like the the norm now, or are you trying to stay put a bit more back in in Colombia or Brazil, or where where are you like mainly these days? Yeah, last time I think I was in Brazil when we spoke. I had just moved to Brazil. This was like a year ago. Um, and I was just in Colombia. Um, but no, um, I want to establish myself in London. And so um, actually after a lover. So I hope to finally be able to make things work. And nice. uh, yeah, have a base in, in London. Um, my work will be around sustainability like I've been working on. Uh, but yeah, my goal is to kind of have a more um, stable kind of home, to put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's something like a lot of us are are looking for. Like the the life on the road is fun and exciting for, for a while, and maybe you always want a piece of that. Um, but I think more importantly, it's like location independence and being able to work on something that you're really aligned with, and just do that from wherever you choose to call home at that at that particular time. Yeah, yeah, you have lived a digital nomad's life, so yeah, I think you've yeah. done that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, cool. Well, I want to kind of get right into it because I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, the last time we talked, there was a lot of, uh, conversation happening and, and a lot of progress being made with the Columbia digital nomad visa with what you're doing at ePioneers. But now this is like really all come together and it's, and it's out there and, uh, and you've got some exciting things on the horizon that I don't even really know a lot about. I just know that there's something there. So, um, I'm genuinely interested to just kind of like, like dive into it. And I, and I'm going to go very broad here and then, you know, tell me if it's too broad and we'll, we'll scale it back down. But, um, I'd love to start with the Columbia digital nomad visa and just kind of like, give us an overview of, of where things are with that now and, and what people should kind of know about this, this new, uh, opportunity. Yeah, so finally the visa was approved after almost three years of work. And um, this was like amazing. Like this was like October 21st last year. And we already have the first nomads with that visa. So it's already working. And um, it took a while, but now digital nomads can apply to the visa for up to two years. And um, the resolution was exactly as we proposed it. So that's also very exciting because we were looking for flexibility and um, accessibility, as well as as many benefits as possible for digital nomads and remote workers. And and yeah, we pulled that off. So I'm super excited. It's more like an internal victory for the team and the people who are involved. Um, and um, yeah, that's going to be huge, I think, for the ecosystem and of course, and of course all the digital nomads. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's like super interesting about what you just pointed out that maybe, you know, someone who hasn't lived abroad before um, or has only lived abroad on like tourist visas might not recognize, but access to those social services and being able to like, for example, get an identity card or open a bank account that changes the experience in like so many ways. Like, like you can't often get like a long-term rental contract um, so you have to do month to month Airbnb type rentals or stay in co-livings or 
uh, hostels or something if you're going to be there for a long term. But like with a when you can get an ID and when you can open a bank account, you can sign contracts. You can actually like get long term contracts, for example, and in, in apartment leases or go to see the hospital or get insurance. Um, like all these things bring down your cost of living and the ease of which your life will will be experienced in a foreign place. It, and like in incredible ways. And that's very kind of like revolutionary of Colombia to do. Yeah, it's very exciting. And I think it's the, one of the core reasons why um, I wanted to kind of push for this and with our, our team as well, because I have lived the digital nomads visa, like in, I guess live. And I know what it is to go and try to kind of like get a contract sign or try to open a bank account and be like, oh, you don't have the state ID, like you cannot, even if you're adding value to the system. Um, and so uh, to me, it was like super important to give the best possible quality of life to the foreigners coming into the country um, and also uh, plugging them in to the ecosystem without them having to go through hassles like, like you said, renting Airbnbs, which at the end ends up being more expensive because you get like a almost daily rate instead of like a long-term contract or having to leave the country every six months because you didn't have the possibility to stay over 180 days, I believe. That's kind of the, the normal. Now you can stay up to two years, especially if you have a life in Medellin or, you know, in one of these Colombian cities, you now can can be there um, with the best possible quality of life. Of course, with all the social challenges we have as a country, but in terms of access, uh, you have um, everything is you know almost the same as a Colombian citizen. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I think that's. I mean, that, that when you compare all the digital nomad visas out there, there's like a handful of things I think that they're, you're always looking for, and one you seem to have addressed a lot of them. Like one of them is. Uh, ease of application, right? Like you want it to be digital and have it be like, a, you want the country to actually seem like they want you to come there <laughs> and not just like, oh yeah, they're they're welcoming us to apply, but this is going to be a process and a, and a bureaucratic process at that. It seems like Colombia is saying, yeah, we, we would like you to come and we're making it easy for you to do that. Is, is that fair to say, you think? Well, actually, the process um, got a bit more complex. Okay. <laughs> what we're doing as a team is actually helping people uh, go through the process very easily. So if you go to epioneer.io, uh, we have two kind of membership packages, and we're offering that digitization service and process. Because actually, the, the, a lot of other visas were changed, and the process to apply and get them now is 30 working days. Uh, before it was less. So that's something that changed, but this is like outside of our kind of like capacity of action and relating to other visas. Uh, but this is one of the services we're offering as a startup. So enabling you to connect with one click to, you know, the digital nomad and any other type of visa process. Very cool. So people could go through ePioneers to basically like make this process of getting the digital nomad visa in Colombia much easier. Right. Yeah. It's a few clicks and then we got you. So you nice. don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's, it's so good to have like a, a local person um, who knows the system navigating that for you. There's just always things you, it always seems easy at first and then you get into it and you realize like, I wish I had somebody holding my hand through this. 
Yeah, no, I mean, especially if you don't speak Spanish or if you're not in the country, we do all the process, even going to the minister to get your state ID, your visa stamp, so everything. Um, we do all of that for you. Wow. Is it a, a costly process to, to go through? Well, right now we're having two membership types. So one is $99 and then one is $9.99. Um, and it covers the two years process of you being in the country and the full process of you applying to the visa, any type of visa. So we're optimizing costs compared to uh, what the lawyer or legal fees are um, beyond that. So That's awesome. Um, yes, yeah. I love it. And it, and what would you say is like a normal turnaround time? Like if I started this process today, um, you know, I, I made that one click. Like, is it months, weeks, years? <laughs> like how long would you expect? No, it's weeks. Um, it's weeks. So okay. we already, so I actually started reactivating this about two weeks ago. And uh, we already have one sale, um, and then I'm in the process of kind of promoting this so we can get more sales. Um, but it's a few weeks, um, and um, we have a team of migration and legal experts who have done this for many years. And so our team is very strong as well in terms of the service we provide. Um, so, yeah, it's only a few weeks. Like You don't have to wait months or anything like this. We do recommend that you have at least like one month, uh, one month and a half before of kind of time. So if you're planning to come to Colombia, let's say in May, um, you know, you have to kind of start applying now um, so that you have kind of the time there. Got it. Okay. All right, cool. Things are, uh, things are moving quickly. I mean, when I, when I went through like a similar process, it wasn't a digital nomad visa, but it was, you know, a, a similar sort of visa for Spain. Like it was, everybody said like, give yourself a year to do this, you know, like to go through all the process. And, and, you know, if you start planning today, probably in one year you can arrive. Um, and we managed to do it. in I think like six or seven months, um, which we felt like super accomplished for having done that. So to see this come all the way to where you're like, you know, we're talking weeks. Um, this is great. Like I, I love, I mean, when we talk about global mobility and people having like true accessibility to these things, um, being able to do it in a timely fashion is, is, uh, is a big piece of the pie. Absolutely. No. And I think today's work, um, and work styles invite for that type of living as well. So if you are in tech or if you can work remotely or as a freelancer and you're, for instance, like in, in, in the case of a solo traveler, or uh, you know, partnership or your friends or your, you know, siblings, this is something that is very kind of suited for those adventures outside um, beyond just having to kind of move or, you know, beyond having to kind of like imagine what it is to live there. Um, and you can do both like without quitting your job. And I think the trends in tech will continue growing so that more digital nomads and remote workers can live like this over the next year. So I think Colombia is just one of the first countries that will enable this, um, in the world, hopefully in the next years. 100% agree. Um, yeah, it's, you know, talking about Colombia, I mean, we touched on this before, but just, I, I think, uh, I feel like it's one of the countries like particularly in Latin America, but even just like around the world that people have a real attraction to. And, um, and I can never, I can't quite put my finger on why that is. And I don't know if, if you have an opinion on that, but, 
Um, for someone who may not be considering Columbia or someone who's just kind of like curious, but, you know, not sure exactly where they're going to take their, their newfound freedom and, and go and, you know, set some roots down somewhere. Like what, what is it about Columbia that makes it this kind of place that people are so attracted to? Yeah. I mean, from my experience and I'm Colombian, full disclosure, uh, (laughs) (laughs) no bias. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, I, I think, you know, um, there are a few parts. So definitely the the people. I, I feel people are very welcoming compared to other societies. In general, I feel like um, Colombians are friendly. Um, and we tend to kind of be very welcoming. And maybe this is all a Latin American thing, actually. Like, we're kind of very welcoming. Um, also, the food in Colombia is amazing. You know, we have incredible fruit incredible vegetables, lots of different options to pick from, um, the nature as well. So we can have all the thermic, um, you know, floors in climate within the single day. So you can go from, you know, the Caribbean shores to, um, you know, um, how do you say that? A snow peak. Yeah, snow-capped peaks. Yeah, exactly. Like without having to wait, you can only just do that in a few hours. Um, wow. And so I, I feel like if you're an explorer and if you want to experience life from a very ground kind of kind of nature and natural and raw perspective, Colombia is just one of those destinations. And of course, we also have amazing cities like, you know, we have Bogota, which is like the biggest and the capital, um, the biggest city and the most kind of like diverse and you have other cities like Medellin who are kind of catching up with Bogota. Um, but definitely, you know, like an amazing kind of like country and there's a lot of history too. Um, and and I, I feel like there's a lot to explore um, beyond just kind of the imaginaries of what Colombia is. Um, if you're able to connect with the right people, I, I feel like you'll get an amazing uh, experience. Yeah. And actually, so that, that brings me to a point I wanted to ask you is like, where you know, a lot of the people listening are, are not from Colombia, obviously they're, they're coming from various other foreign corners of the world. So they're just kind of trying to, you know, hone in on where they should go and spend time. And so if someone's considering coming to Colombia, like they often want to connect with other kind of like-minded people, people who are in a similar situation. Um, and, and so is, is Medellin kind of the, the place where digital nomads and expats are, are congregating or are there other communities that you would recommend that people go kind of scope out? Yeah. So I think Medellin is a good place. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I'm from Bogota, so I'm confined to Bogota. <laughs> but, uh, no, definitely. Uh, Medellin is a, is a place where a lot of digital nomads go. And I believe it's because of the weather. So it's kind of these spring weather throughout the year. Um, and they do a lot of marketing as well for, for kind of the city promotion. Um, so definitely that. Um, but then you can also go to, for instance, Bogota, which is a bit colder. But outside of Bogota, you have the savanna, which is like, you know, flat areas and also mountains, Native American uh, areas, too. So there's a lot of history around, uh, you know, different kind of like uh, lakes and different kind of um, areas within um, that region then you also have the amazon in the south which is amazing the pacific ocean in the west which has you know whales like every year 
uh, and also incredible biodiversity. If you go to the north, you have the Caribbean Sea with also the snow peak of uh, Sierra Nevada, which are these natural parks that are just absolutely astonishing and beautiful. You can actually see the the water um, of the sea, you know, under your feet. It's just very beautiful. And so I think Colombia, and of course you have a mountain that crosses the whole country. So, um, you know, we're surrounded by mountains in Bogota, for instance. So it's very beautiful. I, you know, I'll, I'll give myself the chance to try to explore as much as possible with like, you know, good referrals and, and good communities. We'll be right back to the show after a quick break for a note from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Greenback Tax, the very best in U.S. expat tax services and the company that I've trusted to handle my tax situation since I moved abroad in 2015. Greenback is 100% focused on helping U.S. expats with their taxes and to date they filed almost 50,000 returns for nearly 15,000 happy customers like me living in more than 200 different countries around the world. After seven years working together, I can say with confidence that they make one of the most painful parts of life abroad an absolute breeze with their automated systems that store all of your information for you to make tax filing easy year after year and the friendly advisors who you actually have a working relationship with. There are no robots over at Greenback. Best of all, everyone is a CPA or enrolled agent with a specialty in U.S. expat taxes, which means they know exactly how to help you take advantage of some incredible tax breaks because you're living abroad, not in spite of it. As of January 23rd, tax season has officially arrived, so it's time to get started. Learn more about Greenback Tax today by visiting Greenback taxservices.com via the link in the show notes. Hey guys, if you're still around and enjoying this episode, then I think you might like my buddy Matt Bowles' podcast as well. He hosts The Maverick Show, and he's also a former guest here on About Abroad, telling very similar stories, bringing in people from around the world that he meets on his travels as he runs his location-independent business from various foreign corners of the world. If you guys are enjoying About Abroad, I'm pretty sure you'll like his show. So go over to the show notes, check it out, and give it a listen. I think you'll like it. Well, we could probably go on and on about about Colombia, but I think we've we've uh, you know tempted people enough already in that regard. So I wanted to uh, I also wanted to ask you about something that I'm really I'm genuinely like uh, unsure about, and so you might have to correct me if I'm if I'm even wrong in the questioning. But if I understand correctly, something you're doing with e pioneers also relates to like sustainability and and tokens and things like this. So. Um, again, correct me where I'm wrong and feel free to expand upon this, but I think this is an interesting part of the story. Yeah. So it actually was the main driver of ePioneer. So enabling people to connect with our nature in Colombia. And so, um, you know, it was kind of the first, um, uh, I guess like essence, like able to connect with nature restoration and conservation efforts while traveling to Colombia. And then it kind of, you know, change to the digital nomads visa because we, we realized we needed to give the best conditions to uh, international people. Um, but then throughout those years, I also realized that we needed to create a blockchain-based system that will enable people to fund, uh, trace, and digitize different environmental credits and services that were being offered by nature that needed some type of support, so whether for restoration or protection or conservation, right? Um, and so I started to work on Algorand, which is the best blockchain on the planet, uh, from my perspective. It's out of MIT. You know, the founder is Silvio Micali, who's like one of the inventors of modern cryptography. And Algorand uh, is our layer one. They gave us a, a grant uh, two years ago, and we launched 
a crypto climate wallet at the end of 2021. And throughout last year, and now I'm focusing on uh, enabling the wallet, but for institutions. Um, and uh, we also want to work with funds that are investing in ESGs. And so um, these kind of combines with the fact that um, I want to, um, you know, be uh, here in, in the European region. Um, and uh, there's a lot going on, really. But what we want to do is become a platform that tokenizes environmental credits from Latin America as a starting point, but with international uh, interoperability of, of environmental markets. So everything related to gold standard standards or VERA, but, you know, done better. Um, and environmental credits uh, on chain. So we tokenize the environmental services and then we trade the invest investments uh, into the platform so that we can support different projects uh, in Latin America. We're starting with Brazil and Colombia since these are kind of the two countries where uh, we're mostly at. Um, and then, um, yeah, like the UK as, as the base. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. on the surface, it's like uh, like the, helping with the digital nomad visas. Um, and, and that makes a lot of sense. It's like a pipeline for getting the right people there. But like, it's like underneath the surface, there's this giant iceberg floating there that that is the core of what you guys are actually doing, and uh, and can be so monumentally impactful. Um, I, I love how you've like connected those dots. That's uh, that's really pretty cool to see. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I think climate change is one of the biggest challenges uh, that we have uh, today as a society. And, you know, Colombia and Brazil are the most biodiverse in the world as the countries. Um, and yet the infrastructure for climate funding is very, um, you know, thin. <laughs> we should have like the best infrastructure, but we have like a very thin one. But then uh, you also have regions that do have these infrastructures in place. Um, and I think there's a lot of work to do to coordinate and kind of get everyone on kind of the same uh, playing kind of field, at least in terms of infrastructure and also protection of natural ecosystems that are unique. You know, like you will you go to Colombia, you won't find uh, as much biodiversity per square meter as anywhere in the world. Um, wow. And so I, I believe it's a place that we do need to kind of uh, keep close um, and think about ways to protect. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned Brazil, like Brazil makes headlines uh, a lot of times yeah. for, for some amazing reasons and for some not so amazing reasons. And one of those not so amazing ones is like the deforestation that's taking place there in the in the amazon um is this something you're particularly connected to in it in any way or or not at all yet or where do you guys stand no, in that yeah, regard? Definitely. I, I have been talking to a lot of people who own land actually uh, in brazil also in the amazon um i i do understand uh the critical perspectives but at the same time if you look at you know regions um like europe for instance uh, the same amount of like ecosystem destruction happened. And I'm not justifying that we do the same in Latin America whatsoever. Uh, but I do think it's a matter of design incentives um, and then consciousness uh, so that we communicate the importance of not having live in ecosystems that are thriving and healthy. Um, but I also understand the, what's happening within those territories and why people are destroying the Amazon um, and so it's kind of a matter of like educating and then aligning incentives so that the people who are destroying the ecosystems 
can be like the most motivated to protect them once they realize that they can find a way to um, you know, live, work, uh, and be there um, in a sustainable manner. So I think it's a matter of incentive design from my perspective. Yeah, yeah, I would totally agree with you. And you're much more of an expert on on this than me. So um, that I'm glad to hear that that's, that's sort of the approach. Could you actually, like, maybe we could use this, um, this example, you know, like using deforestation in, in Brazil and like... Uh, what you're doing with ePioneers and these tokens and the blockchain and like, like connect the dots for like, a you know, someone like me, like I'm a lay person when it comes to this, these discussions. So like, how would I get involved or, or perhaps support this initiative via what you're doing at ePioneers, if at all? Yeah, of course. So this year we are launching a pilot with key partners who are, for instance, natural reserves uh, in Colombia or landowners or NGOs and private organizations in Brazil. And what we're doing is we're digitizing the ecosystem services that different um, natural kind of verticals enable. So for instance, regenerative agriculture, we also have biodiversity credits, carbon credits um, to start with. Um, And then we translate them uh, in tokens that you will be able to access that represent a credit. So whether you're a company or a person, you will get those credits as part of like, you know, the kind of investment that you get. Um, And so this is a community driven effort because we believe that it takes longer, of course, and it's harder to build the trust and the credibility with the ecosystem. But once you are able to do that, uh, you can mobilize the community to kind of walk with you in the same direction. Um, And in this case, what's happening is that there's a lot of um, education to be done around both environmental credits and blockchain technologies. But the essence of it is bringing more transparency, digitization and efficiency to the process of funding climate projects. And from the blockchain side of things, um, the blockchain, what it does is that is a public ledger that enables you to access different transactions and kind of like data transfers happening with the blockchain. So that, for instance, if you're a funder here in Europe, um, you can um, decide to invest X amount of money or resources to fund communities or you know nature in Latin America, and you are able to trace that investment and even connect with the persons that are doing the on-site work. And so. This is what we're working on. Um, as soon as we are ready, I'll let you know so that you can also share it if possible. Uh, right now, what we're doing is aligning the suppliers of environmental credits um, and talking to some uh, potential funders from the corporate side to kind of connect everything together between uh, the UK and uh, both uh, Colombia and Brazil in, in the next uh, in the next months. Well, I I absolutely love it, and I think like people listening, um, you know, the the type of people that tune into this show are interested in traveling the world and spending time in, in different places on this planet. And it won't be very much fun to do that if we don't fix the climate challenges that we're, that we're facing. So I love that there's pioneers out there like you, like revolutionizing how we're doing this and making it more efficient because that I, I have no doubt that there's a lot of people that want to, there's a lot more people that want to contribute uh, than are 
then feel like they have a path to do so. And so figuring out how to streamline that and make things more transparent is like such a key part of that fix. And, um, and, and it takes innovation that I think is, has maybe lacked in, in the past. And, and so this seems like a really big step forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe at the end, it also benefits everyone um, because on one side, there's a shortage of portfolios to invest in, in Europe, for instance, in the US. Uh, and so there's huge demand, but there is no supply. And on the other side, there's a lot of supply to be activated or funded in regions like the Big South, uh, but you just need to create that bridge. And so we want to be one of those companies enabling that. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. What what's the, like the major challenge like you're facing? Like, is it is it the tech? Is it the the interest? Is there bureaucracy? Like, what what do you what are your hurdles that you're trying to overcome? Oh, uh, right now it's mostly at my personal life level. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> you got the rest of it figured out. That's good. <laughs> yeah, no, I do actually. So I figured this out a couple of years ago. <laughs> no, I, that I started to kind of pitch for biodiversity tokenized credits. Uh, but no, I, I, these past months for me, it's been more around my personal life. So I hope that it gets more stable so I can also focus more on, on kind of getting things done. I feel like I've done a lot of improvement in the past few weeks. So uh, I think moving to London now will make things uh, much better. Um, so, uh, I, I believe once I'm kind of more established there, I think everything will go faster, but in terms of like, you know, hurdles besides that, I'll say, um, you know, tokenization of natural assets, it's called natural capital accounting. Um, it's something very new uh, because it's like the combination of super traditional people in finance, you know, very kind of uh, Excel type of people with <laughs> technologists who tend to be more, you know, flexible, open-minded, agile. And so it's like this combination of worlds between very financial type of people with very creative type of people. And I think this is what we need to do to kind of get the ball rolling. Um, and so while you get, you know, technology and innovation going at a faster speed, um, you get the legislation moving at a slower pace. And so you need to kind of like navigate that rhythm and, and be able to kind of uh, work with that. So I think this is one of the challenges, but I believe this is in general in technology, but in particular, something that I've seen uh, that we can speed up, especially in terms of legislation of crypto um, and adoption of crypto. I think the technology will take over eventually, but I do believe we're still in the early days. But um, this is kind of like one of the, the two main uh, challenges that I'm facing right now. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked to some people in, you know, different fields, but one red thread that kind of unites you with some of the people that come to mind is this intersection of technology and like bureaucracy and governments. And yeah. like one moves at generally speaking, you know, this is different in different parts of the world, but like, um, you know, I think there's a stereotype that, you know, government's going to move slow. It's a big machine that, that, uh, that needs to move at its own pace. And there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy there. And then you've got technologists who are flying at, you know, <laughs> super rapid speed and are used to just like moving fast and breaking things. And so when these two come together to solve a problem, it's a, it's an interesting mix of the minds I can imagine. Yeah. And I think there's no other option right now because we are on a, on the deadline in a way. Um, if you look at 
uh, in retrospective, of course, and also uh, in like a long-term view, what's happening uh, is very uh, worrying. And I don't want to be kind of like this person <laughs> coming <laughs> in a movie like uh, Don't Look Up, but uh, it's actually, you don't need to be a scientist to understand what's happening in terms of climate. Um, and, and I do believe we will need all types of people to come together and, and solve this and contribute to this in a way or another. Um, and especially, you know, innovation and also policy uh, making. Um, so we'll see. But uh, we do have a small window when you look at kind of the lifespan of, of humanity as we know it today and what has happened in the past years. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. Uh, if you're still questioning that at this standpoint, like, um, you know, maybe... Uh, maybe, maybe you have just a tiny bit more research to do, but, uh, I, I feel like we can, we can all agree that something has to be done. And, um, and, you know, like I said, I'm happy that there's pioneers out there trying to tackle this from different angles and, and using innovative ways and like putting this, you know, there's this, this brand new technologies out there that bring the world closer together can potentially, uh, have a massive impact and, and do it at a more rapid pace. It's really cool to see it being put to use like something like the blockchain is not something i feel like you would intuitively connect with uh something that could impact climate change but like in this in this case it it is and so i think there's something really special about that yeah i agree i i do hope that um blockchain adoption will be faster and and more mainstream but also that more people will become more conscious about climate. Um, and I think and it's happening already. Like if you see what's happening, I, I do think it's happening. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, um, thank you again. I know I got to, I got to let you go. And uh, we, um, we, we really appreciate the work that you're doing though and sharing like the digital nomad visa is what brought us here, but it's, uh, it's, it's everything that you're doing that has an impact on, on the types of things we're interested in this show. So thank you for, for all of that. Um, if anybody's interested in learning more about what they're doing at ePioneers and in particular about the, uh, the digital nomad visa, the link is in the show notes. So you can, um, you can go access that with a quick click and, and find out everything you need to know. And, uh, yeah, if, is there anywhere else people should follow along or connect with you or, or what you guys are doing that you want to mention? Yeah, we'll, we'll also put those in the show notes. So ePioneers on Instagram and then ePioneer.io, uh, it's our website. Perfect. And also on LinkedIn, we're ePioneers. And on Twitter, it's uh, ePioneersGo. So those are kind of our social media handles. Awesome. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll drop all that in the show notes um, as, as well. And then uh, and so if you are interested in any of this, you'll have quick access to it. Um, Ilana, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate all the work you're doing and, and for sharing some of your knowledge with us here today. It was, it was good to see you again. Yeah. Thank you, Chief. Always a pleasure. And I hope everything goes well for you as well in your audience. Yeah. Thank safe you. travels to London. Ciao. Thank you. <laughs> Ciao. Thanks for tuning in today from wherever you are in the world. Once again, I'm Chase, and this has been another episode of About Abroad. For those of you wondering how you can best support the show, I have made it super simple for you. Just go over to the show notes of the episode that you just finished listening to and click on one of the two following links. Aboutabroad.com slash newsletter to get our monthly newsletter, no spam, guaranteed. Or ratethispodcast.com slash aboutabroad, where you can quickly and easily leave a review for the show. It's not just important to me, it also helps more wanderers just like you find us. 
Finally, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, and we will see you again next week. Thanks again. Hasta luego, amigos.